Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Billy Keels to the show. Welcome, Billy. Thanks so much, Jeremy. For the listeners today, topic-wise, this is going to be a voyage of discovery. I'm, I'm excited about this because Billy and I were chatting when you know when I first met him, and uh, he is a person with a, a very interesting life in sales and in his career. So we're going to do a little bit more career exploration, but this really is about a lot of international topics here. Billy is an industry account executive at SAP. Uh, where he works with uh, hotels and hospitality companies, which is a, a tough time in the midst of the coronavirus. He's actually been at SAP for 14 years, but he has actually moved from Columbus, Ohio to Barcelona over the course of his career. So we're going to really talk about how that evolution has progressed. Before we get into that, Billy, I'd love to get to know my guests by asking them about books. So I'd love for you to share one of your favorite sales or you know sales related books something that's influenced you in sales and, and maybe one or two of the tips you got out of it the book that actually i want to talk about or i'd like to just reference it's not necessarily a sales book but without a doubt it's had the most impact in my sales professional career uh, and as a sales leader it's a book called first break all the rules by marcus buckingham and when i was leading teams this without a doubt was the book that really helped me to understand and crystallize that it really is about not only, I guess, as Jim Collins would say, about getting making sure that the right people are on the bus. It's about how do you as a leader do things that help each individual optimize their unique talent. And so when I read through that book, when I took the lessons from that book and started to apply the way that I began to recruit, as well as to develop and coach uh, my team, it absolutely made a difference and started seeing tangible results. I'm not sure if it came from that book or it's just one of these quotes that you see bandied about the internet from time to time, which is hire the right people and get out of the way. What are your thoughts on hire the right people and get out of their way? So hire the right people. Yes. Get out of their way. I would never get out of the way of anybody that I brought on board. Uh, What I would want to do is make sure that I am helping to be the proper guide for that person. Uh, I don't think you should ever get out of the way. As a leader, as a sales leader, you always want to, at least my thought is, you always want to be engaged and you want to be a part of that process. And you want to make sure that you are feeding those unique needs of the individual so that they can propel themselves as far and as quickly as possible. However, as a leader, I want to be a part of that journey. I think people love that quote because in sort of, I'll call it a, a naive state. That's what you want. You think you want, I should say. It's what you think you want is that you just want to be you know, hired and left to your own devices and that that means trust in some way that your manager trusts you and believes in you. But I, I learned in my career, I, I spent a, a number of years basically unmanaged where they sort of quote unquote trusted me to do my thing. I look back on that a bit disappointed because I later had managers who doubled down on coaching me and developing me and teaching me. And and that was the fastest learning years and progression years of my career. Did you ever have a manager like that who was like the breakthrough manager for you? Well, without a doubt. So I don't genuinely believe that people like to be a lone wolf. Even if you are really excellent at what you do, you still want to always be improving. And the best way to improve is make sure that you have the mirror in front of you. And that mirror, in my opinion, one of the mirrors or one of the sides of the mirror should at least be your your manager. When I think about having the manager that was really able to ask that question 
you, and you know what I mean when I say that question, the one that you kind of forgot about, or it's just that one you thought, oof, yeah, I definitely need to cover this angle. That is the person that I'm thinking about right now that without a doubt had the biggest impact on me because they helped me become better, become sharper as a sales professional. And because of that, was able to give better results for our customers. And ultimately, that was reflected in the achievement uh, for the companies that I've worked for. Let's move into your sort of very interesting career. So as I mentioned, you made this lifelong migration from Columbus, Ohio to Barcelona, but it was certainly not all in one step. Once you graduated from uh, Miami University in Ohio, what was uh, what was your first job out of school and, and where did that take you? Yeah, so I had this amazing job, uh, Jeremy. I, I worked for a company based out of St. Louis, Missouri, and it was in an industry that I had never even heard of. Like I, when I went to Miami, I thought I was going to come out and be an accountant or in marketing or something like that because that's what I went to school for. And um, when I finished, I had a great friend of mine who's an amazing friend to this day that told me about this job where there were people that were actually interacting with Fortune 500 CEOs as they traveled around the globe and were paid to do that. And so I found out about what was called the incentive travel industry. And so I worked for a company called Merits based out of St. Louis. And I had an opportunity to work and travel throughout some 58 different countries in five years. So, I mean, it was amazing. And we'd come into contact with Fortune 500 CEOs. I mean, it wasn't uncommon to be in Austin, Texas in the meeting, uh, you know, business meeting with uh, Bill Gates or John Chambers and then be on a flight and was out in Honolulu, Hawaii the following week or two weeks later uh, with, you know, people from American Express Financial Advisors and Ken Chenault and all of his leadership team and basically doing that all over the globe. So what that did is it helped me to understand a lot of these really big companies that were incentivizing. And it was primarily, I think if I have to look at it now, it was primarily sales organizations and operations minded people and you know did that for five years so there were conversations tidbits of knowledge that were passed along and yeah so that was i mean it was pretty amazing you know as you reflect on that period of your life that that five-year span what's the like one thing you learned at the end that you wished you had known at the beginning it's never as easy as it was at that point in time to have such access to individuals that can influence economies, right? I didn't realize that it wasn't normal to see Bill Gates one week and see Ken Chenault the following week and, or their direct reports. And so I guess looking back on it now, you, when you start working for really large organizations, you recognize that it's not as easy to gain access or insight to the top executives of these very large multinational organizations. So it's effectively, you know, take the opportunity to network and build relationships and learn while you can. Without a doubt. So I guess you hit a point where it was time to make a change. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and and it was more of an emotional thing there, Jeremy, because it was time to make a change because I was missing so many personal things, marriages, uh, friends, weddings, uh, births of children. And just I was out of the loop and I started thinking that you know, it was normal, uh, quote unquote, normal to be on the road 25 to 28 days a month, like literally not being at my home. So at 26, I'd seen so many things that I never thought I would see. And uh, I remember being in Orlando, Florida, and had the opportunity to travel to uh, London and Amsterdam. And I remember it was time for me to move on and do something else and had a opportunity and to take a one year sabbatical. I was accepted at university in, at the Sorbonne in Paris, France. I was accepted there and I had three goals for myself. Number one, I wanted to learn more about the French language and French culture. 
I wanted to also learn more about wine and I wanted to learn how to salsa dance. And I was to do that in one year before I went back to the United States. And you're probably thinking, well, you just said I was sitting here in Barcelona, Spain, and I am because the one thing I will tell you about sabbaticals, <laughs> if you go all in, is they can turn into 19 years, three countries, France, Italy, and most recently Spain, getting married and having children. And so <laughs> there's a lot in between that 2001 and, and today. So uh, it's been fantastic. It's been phenomenal. And I've had a chance also to always work within the sales profession during that time and was very fortunate in not only relationships, but lessons learned from interacting with a lot of the executives that I knew before also helped me along this journey over the last 19 years. So after you graduated from uh, the Sorbonne, where to next? So I left Paris and actually wanted to stay in Paris, but it just so happened that I started, um, rather than go back to the U.S., that was the point where I said, hey, I was supposed to do a year, I was going to go back and I was going to get started once again. And fortunately for me, I had the opportunity to stay. So I called up a lot of the people from the, um, from the people that I'd met before and had a chance to actually stay in France. That was when I got into the IT industry. I actually left Paris and moved to a, a town in the south called Montpellier. And I started working in the IT industry. And so that's actually when I started working and I started working in a remote sales or inside sales and uh, started there in Montpellier and started working for uh, Dell at the time. And so I did that. It was it opened up a whole new world to me. Um, I was actually selling over the phone in French. So I learned enough. I went, I moved to Paris. I didn't even know how to say my name is in French. And about nine, 10 months later, I was at least able to have conversations with people over the phone, selling different accessories and doing that in French language. And that was awesome. And then there was an opportunity to change to the team. And the, they were, I was doing the same thing, but in Spanish language. And doing that all day in that type of environment gave me the opportunity, although very, very exhausting at the time, had the opportunity to go from English, French, and Spanish. And doing that all day, every single day, built up that muscle. And eventually uh, had the opportunity to move to Italy and started up the new organization for the Italian market in what they called at the time, it was like an accessories market, and moved to Italy, lived there, started a sales team there, stayed for about seven months, and then eventually went back to France. In Italy, was the language of the team Italian? Where Did you have to learn Italian as well? I did. And I was the only non-Italian person. So it was awesome. I mean, it was, I mean, there were a lot of struggles, and there are always different things that you're learning across uh, managing and leading across cultures, of course. But that was another growth experience and was really, really excited that I had the opportunity and learned so much from that opportunity and realized that if you, if you go all in and you're not afraid to make some mistakes and you want to continue to learn and surround yourself with great people, then there are always opportunities to achieve and, and, and move forward. Obviously, every person is distinct, but it's sort of the discipline of management and leadership relatively similar across countries or are there big differences? One of the things that I truly believe is that as a leader, you lead people and you manage things, you manage the process, you manage this. And so from being able to lead people across multiple cultures, one of the things that you start to realize is that, and, and I guess that's why that one of the reasons I mentioned the book from before, right? Because when you can understand the uniqueness of each individual that is in front of you, regardless of which culture they're from, you put yourself in a much better position 
to bring out the absolute best of the person that's in front of you, that you're leading directly, that you're leading through influence. So one of the things that I found is that when we focus on the individual, then pretty much the sky's the limit, right? Um, you just have to recognize which type of model you're in, whether you're in a B2B model, you're in a B2C model. Uh, are you in a startup situation? Are you in a position where you're trying to turn around an organization or are you just trying to maintain uh, what's already there? So I think it's more about recognizing the person that is in front of you, leading them, being able to help create the environment for that person so that they get the best out of themselves and make sure that the processes are as optimized as possible to get the best overall uh, result. If you look back on your time at Dell and I were to ask you the same question I asked you about your time at uh, Merits, what was you know maybe the, the one epic thing, big thing, epiphany that you took away that would have made you even better at the beginning of your journey at Dell? Wow, that, that one's a, a tough one because I guess the thing that comes to mind is really understanding that no matter what you put your mind to, when you are focused on why you're doing what you're doing, there are no limits. I'm just thinking right now, Jeremy, there were nights when I went back and I was just brain fried, right? Because I was working in different languages and not understanding the cultural aspects and just exhausted. But the thing that I kept thinking about was I got on a plane in 2001 because I wanted to be able to learn and I wanted to be able to grow and realize that you, you can do pretty much anything. That's the biggest thing. And I don't know if I would have changed that, but you can do much more than you think you can. Uh, you just have to not give up really. All right. So you, well, you wrap up a you know, successful three years at uh, Dell, both you know, in terms of your personal growth, learning multiple languages and being able to immerse yourself in those languages, transitioning over from you know, the intensive travel world over to the, the IT world. So what, where to next? So I went from, got into IT and started in the hardware world and then had the opportunity to very, very briefly work for a company uh, called Computer Associates. So I got into the software side of the world. And that also allowed me to move to Barcelona, Spain, uh, where I am now, where my wife is from. And so I started seeing the world, although it was in the same sector, from a very different place, right? And because when I was at Dell, it was very much speed, 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 transaction, transaction, high volume. And then I went into what I perceived at the time, right? And this is dating myself a bit as well, to a world that was very different. I remember everything was pool tables and foosball tables and things that you know we'd consider to be normal nowadays right and so it was just a, a very much a transition from the hardware into the software space and so i was there for yeah, i didn't stay very long actually so because there was an opportunity uh, with sap and at that point in time I, I i transitioned so that first stop here in barcelona was a short one and since then i've been with the same company doing many different roles you know one thing that we haven't explored uh that deeply is kind of incredible managers that you may have uh, worked for. So, you know, as you reflect on your time in SAP, was there, you know, maybe one individual who had the most impact on your development as a sales professional and sales leader? Definitely. I mean, and, and won't go into all of it, but I've, I've really had an amazing opportunity. I've, I've had a chance to um, work at the, at the global level. Uh, I was in marketing role. I've had a chance to work across regions, uh, across the Europe, Middle East, and Africa in multiple roles, looking at not only uh, solutions, but different sales channels. So that's been very, very enriching. And even uh, most recently working exclusively for the uh, the Spanish market, where I'm actually working and selling all day, every day in Spanish and Catalan languages. And when I think about 
the sales leader that really embodied a lot of the skills, talents, capacities that helped me to become a better sales professional, someone who took the time. When you have those leaders that also take the time to not get out of your way, and this is one of the things I wanted to come back to because you said it earlier, and this is a perfect example, didn't get out of the way, but actually accompanied me along the journey, was there when I needed them to be there, and also was there to verify things that need to be verified, right, at a, at a management level. So when I think back on that person that's had the biggest impact on me here, yes, helped me to become a better sales professional, understanding more about the needs of the client, not just the service needs, but really why do they need or want what they want, uh, helping to go out and generate interest, and also just being able to recognize when is the right time to be there for your client? When is the right time to give your client the breathing room that they need and and ultimately be able to do that in a way that's going to help you to achieve the goals that the organization sets out for you. The leaders that I believe have made me better, they understand how to set the objectives, make sure that they're very crystal clear, and they know the right way to hold me accountable, right? They're able to play that balance. It's not just a matter of, this is the thing and I'm going to micromanage you every single day and blah, 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 blah. Or I'm going to give you the objective and I'm going to get out of your way and I'm going to come back in 11 weeks. In the last two weeks of the quarter, I'm going to completely crush you until you get your number. The best leaders and the ones that have had the most effect on me, and specifically I'm thinking of one person, was able to do both of those things. Yeah. And there's a, we've talked about the book on the show other times, a book called Radical Candor that is all about caring deeply and challenging directly. The best leaders, they are able to get that balance. When I'm thinking about this specific manager that I had, right, and I'll say the manager leader was really upfront, really understood me quickly, spent time getting to know me, and I got to understand how they managed a specific situation, how they led, uh, both from the front and from the back, right, because I think great leaders do are able to do both of those things. And so right up front, the ground rules were set. And so as we started to know one another even more and over time, we didn't need to do so much of the pressure point kind of management style because we'd already done that. We'd been through that part of our relationship right up front. The best leaders are able to do that quickly. They recognize the situation. They recognize the talent of the person that's in front of them. And once again, they're able to bring that out and they make the decisions quickly. You either gel or you don't gel. One elephant in the room that we have not yet talked about is, you know, you're leading a team that sells into the hotels and hospitalities industry in many countries, including Spain. The hotels are closed. In fact, I think there's a royal decree that hotels closed back in mid-March and, and will stay closed at least potentially through May. How are you engaging with your customers and having your team engage with with those customers who are who are so hard hit right now? What's the appropriate response as a sales professional? This is the time really to be as close as possible to your clients, recognizing the challenge of the situation, and at the same time, letting your customers know that you are there, you are available, and both to understand what their needs are and work together to eventually be able to create solutions to their challenges. This is pretty much unprecedented. And when you're not able to have any type of revenue, that can create many, many different challenges. And so I strongly believe that being there, being available, 
and also to be willing and able to work with your clients to come up with solutions that can make sense for everyone is the key thing right now. This is the time to be there, be available, and be ready to roll up your sleeves and, and work together. Billy, it was an incredible pleasure learning about your journey and and your learning journey and your sales journey. If people want to find out more about you, uh, connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, Jeremy, the best way is really to connect via LinkedIn. Um, you can find me pretty easily, Billy Keels, K-E-E-L-S. I'm the guy who is uh, based in Barcelona. So um, would love to connect with anybody. Love talking about the sales profession. I think it's absolutely awesome. Uh, there are so many things that we learn and, and are able to contribute to others. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.